The mom shame is real. There's a lot of stereotypes of like why your baby is in the NICU. And when people find out that you had a 23 or 24 weeker, I could see it on their face. It would be like, why was your baby in the NICU? And people just don't realize that there's so many reasons why babies are born that early. And mom shame is normal in every capacity of being a mom, but I would venture that NICU moms experience it 10 times worse. Every single NICU parent that I've consulted, I always tell them, this was not your fault. Hey guys. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Selfie Show. Where we are bringing you the weekly dose of sweet and salty. I am Tori, the founder and now co-host of the show. I'm a nurse, blogger, and podcaster. And we're sitting in Sam's house right now with my very salty co-host. Salty because I don't even have a car right now. I am Sam. I'm a flight nurse, college professor, podcaster, powerlifter, and co-host of The Selfie Show. And today we are talking off the clock, truly mm-hmm. off the clock, with NICU moms that are near and dear to our heart. This is probably the most emotional I've gotten. Tori cried. I did. I cried, but... You guys didn't see me crying because it wasn't while I was talking. It was while they were talking. I got emotional. It's crazy. This was like a huge, um, it's kind of like a debrief for us. We talk about that, but this is going to be a really special episode for, for us and for you guys as well. Before we get into that this week. Okay. This is a really good tip of the week. I'm just going to pop off on this one. Okay. So this past week, one of my near and dear followers actually reached out and she's been sick for a while. And she had tried to schedule something with her doctor. And so she was like, Tori, what? I'm trying to get into a doctor. Do you have a recommendation of someone? And I said, I have something better for you. Uh, You need to check out, and we all forget about this resource. We all do it. We all forget about it. Teladoc, a telehealth resource. So I personally have used Teladoc. So basically, you know, it's an online platform It's essentially for non-emergent things. So things like the flu, your sinus infections, your allergies for kids. If you have someone, you know, even if if someone's getting sick at home or they're having an unexpected reaction to something, pink eye, stomach ache, whatever it may be, this is seriously the best resource I can give to anyone because it's so easy. All you do is you put in your information. They have a great app. And I used it last year, I think, uh, two times actually. They take insurance. You just fill it in online. You wait in a queue for prob- you know however long it takes. Just typically, I think it took me like 30 minutes. And then you get online with a doctor and then they can fill a prescription to wherever your pharmacy is. It's great. It's honestly, I could not recommend this more for you guys. I get a sinus infection like once a year and because of my contacts, like pink eye, I swear, <laughs> once a year. It's for my contacts, I swear. Um, but... I need to do that because I hate, like, now after COVID, there's no going back. Well, and here's the thing, like, we always, we forget about it, but it's so easy. And especially this coming season, this flu season, they're saying is actually supposed to be one of the worst flu seasons that we're supposed to have. Heads up, hot take, all of you, just so you know, this coming season is supposed to be gnarly. So if you do, if you are someone at home and you're looking for a resource and you can't get in with your doctor, definitely highly recommend Teladoc. Okay, my tip of the week, this is the first time I'm actually doing a show or Netflix. Usually it's Miss Tori that mm-hmm. watches it. I never, I did not turn my TV on once for the whole month of June. Mm. But last night my car broke down on the way home from Tori's, got towed. It was a whole debacle and I got home and I was super grumpy. Which is why we're recording here. Which is why we're recording here today because <laughs> I don't even have a fucking car. But I was super just annoyed and I didn't want to do shit. Like I didn't want to do work. I didn't want to do any of the stuff that like 
I just needed to decompress because I was going to have a nervous breakdown. And my sister was supposed to pick me up from getting my car towed. And I told her I was getting it towed to my dad's farm. She shows up at the wrong farm. And she's like, where are you? I was like, the farm, like the one where my dad's office is, is, which is to me obvious of where I would tow it to. Minnesota problems over here. And she towed it. She thought I was at the one that was conveniently next to her house. And she's like, well, why would I? That one's 10 minutes from your house. You could take an Uber. Why would? And I'm like, whatever, fine. I'll take an Uber. And she's like, was like, I was watching Sex Life and you made me like leave the house for this. And I was like, okay. So I got home and I was like, okay, my sister was all grumpy that I had interrupted that TV show from her. So I was like, all right, let me get on Netflix. And I've heard other people talk about sex life. Have you heard? Yeah. Okay. So it's in my queue, but I have resisted for some reason. I don't know. Okay. I never saw 50 shades of gray's gray either because I was like, that's lame. Like, I just think it's cheese ball. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't have these like, not our vibes. It's not my thing. I'd rather just like really have a thing than watch the thing I don't know so I was like I'm gonna watch it let me I'm, live I'm bored <laughs> and I let me live I need to decompress so I started watching it. I was like this is trash like I texted my sister and said why do you like this it's a soap opera meets gray or meets gray's anatomy meets like 50 shades I don't like it mm-hmm. and she's like just keep watching it I binge watched it the whole thing needless to say I was up till three in the morning last night and I did binge watch the entire season I did not like it, but I did like it because I couldn't stop. Okay. I thought it was cheesy. I think the acting's terrible. You see full penis. You see a lot of Ooh. nipple. Yeah, you saw full wiener. Okay. And I was kind of surprised that Netflix showed full wiener. Yeah, that's a that's thing. That's an HBO thing. For sure. Not a Netflix thing. So yeah. it does show full wiener. But was it good wiener is what we need to know. Giant. I was <laughs> shooketh. I mean. I was actually like, well, I think that was the whole point of showing it was to show that he had a big wiener. But I was, I was a little shooketh by the giant wiener on my screen last night and great i i think you would like it tori okay i don't know i think a lot of people would like it it's like a guilty pleasure okay we'll have to try it all right unpopular opinion this is gonna pop off this actually i think goes well with this episode but it just needs to be said fuck baby friendly initiative amen Thank you. So for those of you who are listening, Baby Friendly is a designation that hospitals can apply for. And it's essentially where they designate the hospital and they say that we are only, we are breastfeeding only. We only support that. And don't get us wrong. There's a huge push nationwide, which is great for breastfeeding. However, this particular designation is a crock of shit. It's very demoralizing to moms that can't breastfeed and there is a lot of reasons that you can't breastfeed aside from just one it's your own fucking choice but two medical conditions meds that you're on there's a lot of reasons Uh, i know someone my age who's had breast cancer and literally doesn't have breasts right (laughs) so it's like there's a lot of reasons that you can't breastfeed and you shouldn't feel pressure pressure to do it or even to have to explain your reason like oh i would if i could but i can't you don't have to explain yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's as simple sometimes as if you just don't fucking want to, that's your choice too. I think breast milk is great. I could go on and on and on about all the great properties, the colostrum, the antibodies, and all the, the immune properties. Of it. Right. It's great. But at the same time, you're not that person. You're not living their life. And it's not for you to put pressure on them. And and here's the thing. We're NICU nurses, right? So we know the importance of it. Our micropreviews, that's all they can get. They can't even get formula. They physically cannot even digest formula. So that's what they get when they're tiny. But when you're talking about having to have a mom literally sign a waiver 
saying that I am choosing not to give my child, I am choosing not to breastfeed or give my child breast milk. It's just, it's, it is so demoralizing. It's so, you know, it's, I think it's actually taking away power from women in some way. And look, like everyone, fed is best. Like in my opinion, and Sam here too, fed is best. And sometimes, you know, here's the thing, bottle, it doesn't matter if you want to breastfeed, you want to pump it, you want to give it to them in a bottle, like who the fuck cares? Plus if your baby's crying and your milk hasn't come in and you want to give them a bottle and because you still plan on fully breastfeeding, but it's day two and your milk still hasn't popped off, I wouldn't want to see my baby cry. I just want to let them fucking eat. It's not like they're not going to take my breast milk when it comes in in the next day or two. So if they need a bottle in the meantime, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Don't tell me what to do. We should be understanding that everyone comes from different situations. And we have seen moms in the NICU pump and pump and pump and cry because they can only squeeze out a yeah. few drops. And it's like heartbreaking. Since we're talking breast milk, because we do talk about this, is if you are someone that does happen to pump a lot and you get a lot of milk, Definitely highly recommend if you can to donate it yes. to a donation center because that milk will go directly to babies in the NICU or babies who aren't able to have breast milk. So hot tip, if you can, definitely highly recommend donating if you are someone who's on the other end of the breast milk situation where you have too much. So that segues into this amazing episode. Sam and I, since we became a duo knew that this was an episode we wanted to do this was this was on the docket this was something we've always wanted to do and we couldn't think of two better people to have on today we have carol and julie they mm -hmm. are both parents of micro preemies a 23 weeker and a 24 weeker and they bonded during their time in the nicu they were pod mates roommates and became confidants and seven years later they are still friends and very tight with the other NICU parents they've met and their journeys are so different and yet they still ended up right next to each other in the NICU sharing this experience and to be on the other side of healthcare is something we as providers don't think about and Tori and I's eyes were so opened during this interview because we work in the NICU day in, day out. We knew them. We saw them on a regular basis. We cared for their babies, and we still didn't grasp the full understanding of what they were experiencing. We really deep dive into their experience, and it's funny because I asked them specific questions, knowing well what headspace we were in as providers and hearing back their answer literally made me tear up like some of these these the things that we talked about and here's you know a little statistic for you guys one in nine babies is admitted to the NICU due to prematurity now there's a lot of other reasons why babies can be admitted to the NICU as well for various reasons congenital heart diseases uh, metabolic diseases you know the list goes on and on but it's when you're talking specifically prematurity and that's babies that are born before 30, 37 weeks or before that's one in nine babies that is a lot of babies that end up in the NICU and these two moms happen to be micro preemie moms and so they were with us for a long time and I think that this is definitely this is these are conversations we need to be having because so many moms and babies end up in these situations and I just think today, so many providers, so many women, so many people, so many family members are going to hear this episode. And I hope that you guys get so, you take away so many things from this episode because truly this one is a very special one for anyone who's been in the NICU. If you're going to be a provider, 
I think it just really it's just kind of like I don't know an all-encompassing it was really emotional for even us someone who if you know anyone <laughs> that has a family member in the hospital even if it's not someone with a premature baby just understanding what it's like to be in their shoes is an insight that we don't get absolutely so without further ado let's welcome Carol and Julie to the show our beautiful NICU mamas We're so excited to have you okay, guys here. Okay, my favorite people. Literally. And I know you think that nurses don't love people because of the TikTok I posted. <laughs> I got called out by them. Wait, time out. Can we please call her out for that? Go ahead, Carol. Really? So we were, um, we follow each other on, on social media and there was a TikTok that she posted and it was like, a, like, you know, a thing that said, nurses, when they say they love you, they don't really mean, mean it. Right. And <laughs> and I was like, what? And I'm like, you know what? I'm not saying anything. I'm going to see her soon. I haven't seen her in a while. You know, you know, she- what's funny is I saw that and they literally we knew that they were coming and I was like, they're going to call you out for this. OK, but it was about romantic relationships. Was it? Yes. Was it or was it? It was like a know. guy. It was a guy saying, tell me a nurse loves you without actually telling you. And a guy was like, we don't love you. <laughs> nurses don't love anyone and if to you think any, they love anyone. you it's because they're fake as- wait time out you're not anyone <laughs> you're so not just you anyone though you guys you guys you are, are not just anyone you are my people <laughs> and you guys have my NICU babies I feel like this is like your family. children are like my babies yeah they might be your children but they're my babies we've talked about this a lot about <laughs> yes. that this is just such a unique part of the NICU world where we feel like you become family like long like lifelong it becomes it's such a unique unit in that way I was a legit tiger mom over your babies in the NICU mm-hmm. like yeah. you even look in the isolate at one of their babies and I will fight you <laughs> truth we that saw was that like many times. don't even mess what was the most okay wait before we pop into this because I'm just curious like what was the most I would say like annoying or pet peeve or something that you guys experienced as NICU moms Julie you go first I'll go first the mom shame is real yes um there's a lot of stereotypes of like why your baby is in the NICU and when people find out that you had a 23 or 24 weeker they always question like I could see it on their face. They would be like, why was your baby in the NICU? And people just don't realize that there's so many reasons why babies are born that early. And mom shame is normal in every capacity of being a mom, but I would venture that NICU moms experience it 10 times worse. Because we, every single NICU parent that I've consulted, I always tell them, this was not your fault. And I don't know their story, mm-hmm. but I just tell them this is not your fault because they're already beating themselves up. They're already, you know, what did I do? Um, and that this is because of X, Y, and Z. And that's a constant fight. It's a constant fight that um, that we're good moms. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely like a... Uh... A mental battle with yourself especially in the NICU you're just I had family and I'll tell you this like I had family that wouldn't go see my kid um 
because they were too scared or they're like, oh, we'll just wait till she gets out, you know, and it's okay. I understand some people don't, I hated hospitals before she was in the NICU. So I understand and I get that. But then there's like this one time somebody told me, it, I, I can't recall who the person is and they're probably not important in my life anymore because I don't recall, but I do remember them telling me, you know, it's crazy that people post pictures of babies in the NICU like it you know it's just it's very terrible or horrible or and I'm like it doesn't matter like that's my baby I'm gonna post her I'm gonna show I, I don't you know she used to you guys know with the CPAP and she looked like a little scuba instructor you know I would post it I would post things like that and people would just like and it, w- it was probably just one specific person, but saying that to me just really hurt. You know, it's like, I'm going to post my child just because I didn't carry her for a long time. And I didn't find out I was pregnant till I was 11 and a half weeks pregnant and I had her at 24 weeks. So really, I was only pregnant for 13 weeks. If you wow. think about it. That's it wild. Is, it is wild. Yeah. yeah. Like it's like my body went through so much change in that in those 13 weeks. And it's like you get to the NICU and just like, OK, so what do I do now? So it's like. People just don't understand that. And until you're in those shoes, they're shaming people that they really should just read about and know what another, you know, what a person in the NICU is going through, like a, par- a parent, but especially a mother, because we were supposed to carry them 40 weeks and we didn't, you know, Ian was 23 weeks and Ada was 24 weeks, but it's like they, we were supposed to carry them for the whole time. And I had a surclage, but I still couldn't carry her term and it's just you know it, it really sucks that we do get that mom shame or we did get it because we did get it a lot or somebody asks you oh your kid how long were they there I'm like 127 days on the dot you know and you're right Julie like it's not I think for moms to pull away from that idea of like it was not your fault mm-hmm. it's huge mm-hmm. like no it just it wasn't and here we are and we're gonna make the best of it but it's just it's crazy that mom, the mom guilt. I cannot even imagine what moms go through. I still, feel, I still deal with it. Seriously. I would imagine. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's so hard for you guys. And I don't know to, this is why we're having these conversations so we can pull away from that and hopefully start moving forward with even better, you know, better care, start giving more support. We're huge about maternal support. And postpartum. Postpartum. Absolutely. And we're going to get into that too. Before we go any further though, let's hear a little bit about your stories, your backgrounds. Okay, Miss Carol. I am first generation Costa Rican. My parents came out here maybe 40 years ago. Well, yeah, I'm 40. So So yeah, 40 years ago, I was born and raised in Anaheim, California, but I also lived in Costa Rica and North Carolina. I lived in North Carolina three years and then went back for another four years came back and now I am a full-time mom to a beautiful little girl. Her name is Alessandra, but everybody calls her Ale. Ale. She's the best. She's the most beautifulest thing in the world. She has my butt chin, so <laughs> of course. She does. Daddy over there. Uh-huh. Like patient, like nurse. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm currently full-time employee for an apparel company in LA. Um, HR, I'm an HR journalist. Lots of you have to have a lot of good mental state. And I'm not saying that my mental state is perfect, but to be in HR position, like patience, um, you have to have a lot of patience. And Julie heard it on the way here. Um, I had a call from one of our employees and um, I'm, you know, I love talking to them. I am available for my work 24 seven. So it doesn't matter if it's on a Sunday or a sa- or Saturday or Sunday. I'm always there, but yeah, that's what I'm doing now. And then full time to Ale. She keeps me so busy. And can you tell a little bit about just like the background of Ale's birth? I found out I was pregnant 
at, like I said, I was 11 and a half weeks pregnant. Um, I went to go see my doctor. He's a great doctor. He's amazing. He had never done any kind of like high risk pregnancy, but I told him I had lost a baby at 19 weeks and, um, I had no idea why that happened. Like nobody knew. So then, you know, I went to go see him. I was 13 weeks pregnant when I saw him and I told him what happened with my first um, my son because it was a boy but I, I found out about um, that told him everything and he's like I think you have an incompetent cervix ladies please listen to that because you never know you know and it sounds horrible that he told me an incompetent cervix and I'm like what the heck like right. they could come up with a better word in the I know thank you like bitch you're who you calling incompetent <laughs> Maybe my, my cervix has got a little mind of its own. It's doing it's, it's an independent cervix, <laughs> not in, incompetent. Like lower your tone, sir. He, you know, he was awesome. So, you know, that happened. And two weeks later, um, I get a knock on my door and it's my little sister, Vanessa. And she's like, hey, dad's in a coma. And um, <sighs> sorry. She's like, he's in a coma. Do you want to go to Costa Rica? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, do you need to call your doctor? I'm like, I don't care. And I left. Like, I literally left the next morning. Would have done the same. Um, Absolutely. And when we got, we got on the plane, like around nine o'clock in the morning, my dad died. We had no idea. Um, So this is just stress. Like, you know, I'm already, my doctor thinks I'm incompetent. Like, I mean, not me, but my service is incompetent. We get to Mexico City and in on Facebook, somebody posted that my dad died. You found what? out on Facebook? Yeah. Oh, and my heart. That's how we found out. And I screamed. I was in the restaurant. I remember screaming. And I'm pregnant. I can't drink, like, my sorrows, you know? So I told my, my sister went and, you know, she started drinking. I let her drink. I'm like, just, you know, you go do whatever. And we get to Costa Rica. We do the funeral. We do all that stuff. And I remember that the doctor had told me at 16 weeks he was going to do an ultrasound to make sure that my my cervix wasn't incompetent. Well, I made an appointment to an OB in Costa Rica. The weirdest thing I've ever done. But it was weird to go to a doctor out there, um, even though when I was younger, I did. Wasn't a fan of American doctors, but, you know, um, he was awesome. He told me that I was funneling. I was already like 1.7 something centimeters funneled. And um, he's like, you need to go home and get that surclage done. I called my doctor, told him. He's like, what in the hell are you doing? Like, why are you in Costa Rica? I told him and he's like, I'm so sorry. He's like, don't worry about it. Take care of yourself. He's. I told him that the doctor wanted to give me some medication to make my uterus um, not start contracting so he's like go get the medication take it and come home on monday i came home that tuesday i saw him and friday i got my surclage long story short i um started having contractions at this job that i had started for like two weeks um not even it was there for a week i started having contractions i started bleeding um, I went to the hospital. They're like, you know, th- you look fine. They sent me home. They're like, but if you have start having contractions again, like, you know, every two, four minutes or something like that, they told me. And I said that night I started having them every two minutes. I went back to the hospital. I was bleeding. The nurse that attended me at the hospital was horrible. She didn't believe that I was in pain. Um, she was very like, she was terrible. I, if I ever see her probably on the street, I don't know who she is because I try to forget about it. But that same day, the doctor came in and I had have to give a urine sample and there was blood 
in the urine sample and he looked at her and he got mad and he's like do you think this is normal like and he showed it to her in front of me wow he's like this isn't normal and i'm like thank god they're taking her away because she's just she wasn't nice and i, I was chubbier you know so it's like harder to feel your, like for you to get your contractions seen like in that i don't know if it's better okay, now, you were but... not by the way yeah like... i was gonna say no <laughs> so no. no but um that happened and then so i got put in on friday Saturday, I got the steroid shots, the magnesium. I got those leg thingies to help because they wouldn't let me off the bed. And then Sunday morning, they take me in to take my cerclage off because my water did break. And I once they put the epidural in and laid me back down, everybody from the NICU had already left because they had come down to make sure that I wasn't going to have her. And then he's like, oh, no, she's fine. They left and he laid me down and he was like, oh, shit. Words you never want to hear out of your doctor's mouth. Yeah, totally. <laughs> he had never dealt with such a small baby, you know? And I went like this. I'm all, what? <laughs> your face. And then, and, then, and then he's like, I see a head. So my surclage wasn't even taken out. I made a hole through my cervix. That's my strong independent Go girl. woman. So, That's my yeah. girl. She made a, a hole through my cervix. And there I went, walking to the NICU. So, and that's how our little Ale got here. Long but short, right? We love the long of the short. All right, Miss Julie, let's hear a little bit about yours. I remember when you came to the hospital. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Sister wives over here. <laughs> oh, legit. Oh my gosh. Hi. My background. Yes. I, I I'm a Christian, but I'm a Christian who cusses a lot. That's Carol why I knows. love you. <laughs> Same. Let's be for real. And I'm Filipino-American. I grew up here in the South Bay of LA. Yes, queen. I'm the youngest of three. I'm married to Ryan, and we've been married for nine years. Uh, I'm a firm mom to my Falcor rescue, uh, two months now. And my son, Ian, who was born at 23 weeks, six days. He was 130 days in the NICU. I love how we always know this. Everyone asks. We can't forget it. Right? 130 days. And um, he's almost seven. I can't believe there's going to be seven. Seven. God, wild. that's wild to Next month. us. Jeez. Right. That is crazy. They're Woo. so big. And then some other fun things. I'm a wannabe baker. I try. No, I watch your stories and I'm like, when is she going to cook for me? <laughs> so rude. I got you. I got you. At least you. I made her mac and cheese. Oh, she, that's she did true. bring me and mac and cheese on you, Thanksgiving. You can wow. cook. I know you can cook, Carol. I'm obsessed with eyebrows, and you guys all have. How are my eyebrows? Because like I'm obsessed it. with eyebrows too. I agree. I think they make Yours it. are on point right now. Yeah. Thank you. Ridiculous. <laughs> they are. They're really good. Yes. All right. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Leading up to prior to the NICU, how was your pregnancy and how did what was that journey like for you i had a normal pregnancy it was actually a shock to my ob that a shock to everybody i actually went in for an out of schedule ultrasound just because they didn't get good pictures for that full body one. Oh, the anatomy scan yeah and so we just went in ryan happened to be able to get that day off so he can come and then um, it was very different. I remember the tech being really quiet. And I turned to her eye and I said, something's wrong. And then she was gone for a long time. And then they said, um, I think you need to go, your OB's in the hospital. I think you, you should go see her, like in the hospital. She, and, and then we even said, oh yeah, we'll just walk across the street to go. And then they like, no, you should take the car. 
because they they couldn't tell me that something was wrong does that make sense and then so we went yeah and then it just it's like a blur almost because I remember them telling me that you know there's a good chance that he could come early Uh, we're gonna try to keep him in for three days at least he didn't make it three days he only made it a day and a half and um and yeah and we had him that evening um the next evening that was a ride he decided it was time he decided it was time and when the doctor told us that it was time to have Ian um I remember so you guys know my husband you guys have met him for very many months you know how he is he is stoic he's the strong rock right he will hold us down he did not hold down when the doctor (laughs) said and mind you no one else would know but he broke down and I saw it in his face and I I was the one that was like we're gonna get through this it's okay you know like I was the strong one and and I and I really appreciated that because it was one of those moments where that's right I can be the strong one for you and you can break down that's okay like you don't need to be strong all the time super mom strength yeah it's like you don't know that you have it until you're you faced it. with it yeah do you think that anyone could have prepared you guys for the NICU I would say no and the reason being that I say no is because it, there's nothing that can be prepared for that scenario you know the only thing that I would tell somebody like might get in that situation is just try to be as positive as possible because if you go in there you're crying all the time and you're depressed all the time your baby feels it like even though they're not in your stomach anymore they're your kid like they feel it you know I I just I don't think that anything could prepare me for that like I remember when I was in the hospital in the labor in delivery and the NICU, somebody from the NICU came to talk to me. It was a NICU doctor. And he started telling me like, look, I'm going to prepare you for what's going to go on and this and that. And I'm just going to let you know. And I'm strong. I'm sitting there like, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to cry. Everybody else, my mom, there's like six people in the room and they're like right there. And I'm like, okay. And he kept telling me, he's like, you know, the baby might not make it. It's like a very light chance that a very slim chance that your daughter can make it. I didn't cry. And then he's like, but all you need to do is when you get there, you just need to show your baby love. And at that time that he said love, I was just like, Bruh. I didn't cry. Any, any, he, all the other stuff that he told me, he, I didn't cry. But I cried that time and I told myself, I'm not going to cry again. I'm not going to cry again. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to walk in there. I'm going to be happy because why wouldn't I be happy to see my daughter, you know? And I just made sure that every single time and Julie will tell you <laughs> every single time I'd walk in there, I'd walk with a smile. And you really did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were. And it was the ru- the oh, roughest time, the roughest time. Yeah. I remember looking at her pod and if it was closed, I knew not to bother <laughs> her because she would be crying. Julie was a crier. Yeah. And and I, you were I, like the extremes. But like, you would you cry like really when you were happy. happy, too. Yeah. But you were you were such happy energy. But then, yeah, yeah. And I'm a crybaby. Like I am a my sister. She'll once she listens to this, she's. Probably I don't like, remember you crying at all. Oh, she cried. <laughs> I cried. Yeah, the bre- the breastfeeding and not me, not the milk and stuff. Yeah, I, I cried then and together we'd cry a lot. I agree. There's no way to be prepared for the NICU. And I remember asking NICU nurses, you know, what would you guys do? And and then I think it's different because. Um, obviously you guys know the medical terms you guys know um, all these things that could possibly happen but it's 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 our baby that's Mm -hmm. why and I 
because I used to be like, how could you guys do what you guys do? How can you be a NICU nurse and and face that every day? And then I realized because it's it's our baby that's going through it. We're the ones that are going to be with our baby the rest of our lives. And most of the people in the general public have no idea what's going on in the NICU. And, and that's why even if you have a medical profession, background even if you have the education it doesn't matter because you have never experienced watching your child fight for their life Mm -hmm. and that just changes you forever and so I'm I don't know any parent so there's multiple like parents who've reached out to me about who have faced similar situations and I tell them every time there's no, no one I know who has not gone out of this situation and not been fucked. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, because it just... The PTSD is so yeah. real. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like being in the NICU, I mean, everything is so about the baby, as it should. It's the neonatal intensive care unit, and we're there to, like you said, keep your child alive. But you as moms, and even partners, spouses get completely ignored do you feel like there was any sort of acknowledgement of like the actual trauma that you were kind of experiencing or going through and even just the follow-up of like leaving the NICU everything's now about how to make your child thrive post NICU but what about you guys (laughs) okay so I left the NICU in December it was December 30th and I remember the doctors and the nurses and everybody like, please be careful. Don't let anybody come and see the baby. Don't let her get sick. Don't let her get sick. Don't let her get sick. But did they want to tell me not to get sick? And <sighs> did they tell me to go take care of myself? Did they tell me to make sure I was taking care of myself and doing everything for me? Well, on, so this is the 30th. So nine days later, 10 days later, I got sick. Or nine days later, I got really sick. And I guess I got human menonumovirus and I gave it to Ale. Well, we ended up in the PICU. And if I had PTSD from the NICU, the PTSD, and you know, the PTSD from the PICU is real. And the fact that I didn't have, I mean, I had people come see me, but there wasn't a lot that I can have people go in there because I I snuck in there to see me. (laughs) She came to see her. Obviously, I know, you know. And I bought her a little outfit. I remember it. I have pictures of her in it. But the the PTSD from being in the PICU and my daughter being she was pretty much a zombie mm-hmm. because she was so sedated yeah and intubated and she was only 10 days out of the hospital don't you kind of wish she was back in the NICU yeah. with I wish the that I would have never left the NICU and that I would have gotten some kind of take care of yourself mom you know like hey if if any moms do get come out of the NICU just understand that uh, and I did this alone like I am a single mom I did it by myself right but at the, the same thing the dads and the moms like you guys have to take care of yourselves and take vitamin c and take anything that you need to take to make sure that you're okay because if you get sick and you're the only one I was the only one taking care of my child so and my sister my sister was in Costa Rica you know so she couldn't help me at the time and it's like I ended up like I called my mom like crying like mom like I was not breathing I was like purple and like I had oxygen but the oxygen wasn't working nothing was working and it's just like having to take your child again like I literally hate going to the hospital now I used to hate it before and now it's just like I really have like this like thing like and I shake and it's it's terrible but 
if you're in the NICU and you leave, make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Because if you're not okay, your baby's not going to be okay. Yeah. It was terrible to see her like that. It was happy in the NICU. You know, I had happiness. Even though I was, she was fighting for her life, it was happy for me. You know, I was never like sad in that point. I, I was sad, but it was happy. She was fighting. And here I didn't see her fight. I just saw her lay there. I don't know if there's any way to prepare because I do think there's so many uh, NICU graduates who do end up in the PICU, right? Well, you guys were back there for a brief minute when you got surgery. Cause I remember going to visit. Yeah, we were there a couple. Yeah. A lot of Is there anything like we could have said or I don't know, pre- prepare for the PICU if you ever, I don't know if there's any way to even. Is there better like, yeah, even just discharge education. You kind of mentioned not that we don't acknowledge enough, take care of yourselves, but what else? Where, where, how can we do better? How can we do for our NICU parents? Absolutely, I completely agree. I think that there should be more education for the parents, especially after, because honestly, after the NICU was so much harder than in the NICU. Like you, we think like, yes, we're finally out, and then it's just downhill. Like really, your entire team that actually gets what's happening is no longer there. So I used to compare going into the NICU as if you're going into a new world, like a new country where you don't know the language, you don't know the people, you don't know the the culture, because you know there's a culture in Mm -hmm. the medical field, and you don't know any of that, and you're supposed to go in there and watch your child, you know, go through that, and then all of a sudden, you're pulled out of that, you know, and then you have to face the real world. Right. And and so how we can do better, the things, I agree, I think that there should be more education, more support for parents um but the things that that was done right and i think carol and i can both attest to is that you guys taught us to advocate for our kids and that was a huge thing that we still do to this day and i i'm pretty sure you guys know because i have this thing that medical professionals can read people like nothing but I'm 100% sure that Mindy, shout out to Mindy, I love you. We love you, Mindy. Mindy's our nurse, the nurse practitioner who led the small baby unit. Yes. Um, we love her. She said, I remember her coming up to me and being like, so how was Ian this weekend? And I looked at her like, aren't you supposed to tell me? Like, <laughs> what? what's going on? And then I realized later that she was preparing me that I'm the one that's the expert of my son, you know, and that, yes, I may not know the medical terms or whatever, but that is, I am the expert of my son. And that empowerment, that's what, not not only in the NICU, but post-NICU, that empowerment of education, of advocacy, of that parents just don't realize how much power that they have to advocate for their child and there was a so I uh, Ian was back in the PICU not only for surgery but also he had asthma and I would agree with Carol every time we went back it was like a gut it was gut like you're gutted because it's like what did I do wrong and the truth is he's gonna go back that's just his that's his journey you know and he had to go back multiple times and this one time I remember I was dead sick and um, it was my turn to be with Ian overnight and an RT, and I don't remember his name, but I will forever remember him. He pulled me aside and picked you, and he said, 
I want to teach you about asthma. So would you be willing to, you know, to hear this? And I go, yeah. And in the middle of the night at 12 a.m., he told me all the medical terms so I can speak with doctors appropriately so I'm actually heard. Talk about pet peeve of medical professionals. Listen to the parents, mm. period. Like, I know maybe we don't know what the crap we're talking about, but listen listen you know because sometimes they do we almost didn't get discharged because uh, a nurse didn't want sorry i'm throwing somebody under the bus do but it. Throw them. Throw them. uh she didn't want to discharge us close to, changing of shift you know like it was like six o'clock and i could tell and i and i said no he we know the signs and we know we can take him and i said whatever i said i don't remember and then doctor said I can see you know what you're talking about. So I'm going to let you guys go. And sorry to the nurse that screwed us over. Fuck you. <laughs> Seriously. I was so mad. So mad. Because I, and then, I'm also from a family of nurses. So I know, you know, like. You know the culture. I know the culture. You know. You know so, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, um, so, and my sister was because she goes she did that on purpose because she didn't want to stay overtime and then I was like this is the mental health of my son sorry Mm -hmm. he can't he can't stay one more night because he talk about trauma he's traumatized at the hospital I remember visiting him too and him just being like Mm -hmm. so sad to be there Mm -hmm. yeah he's still traumatized of it like I've tried we're trying to make it more positive and it's still really hard because um, he he has a really hard time with that, and so um, he was older when that happened. Yeah, so he was he older. Remembers it. Yeah. yeah. Something that I think is really easy for NICU nurses to do is we attend the delivery, we get the baby, we go and we admit. Right? Like we we do all these things. We admit the baby. But I'm really curious from your standpoint as the NICU moms. So you've delivered, and. Can you walk us through the first time and maybe like a little, I don't know, maybe emotional, but I really want to go there with you too, of seeing your baby for the first time. Talk about PTSD. This is very still foggy for me. So, um, but what I do remember is I remember waiting because we had an urgent C-section. I remember waiting um, somewhere off to the side and just my mind racing because Rai didn't, I knew Rai was with Ian, um, but I hadn't seen him yet. And I guess they were just observing me. And then I remember, so okay, they're ready to see, are you ready to see Ian? And then, oh no, I'm not even sure we named him yet. And then they rolled me in and they let me, um, they let me touch him. And I just kept saying, I am the crier. (laughs) I just kept saying, um, mommy's here. And I love you. Shoot. (laughs) And then I love you. And that's all I said over and over. I just said, mommy's here. And I love you. And I remember, I remember the nurse crying in the background. And there's a picture of Ian holding the tip of my finger and it was really hard but I actually didn't even feel like a mom yet 
at that moment. The time I felt like a mom was when I finally got to hold him. Um, and Ryan thought that too. It was also the same for him, that it's only when we got to hold him. So if you don't get to hold your kid for two weeks after they're born, like, that's it. You know, like, you don't, you don't feel that until it's like, whoa, you know, like, my baby. So, yeah. Um, so that was my... <laughs> Love you, Julie. Do you remember what it felt like that first time you got to hold him and do skin to skin? But before we do that, can I just say one? I am finally about to get off this day shift, night shift, flip flops. <sighs> but the only way I have survived that is through those beam sleep capsules that oh, you gave me. I, girl, aren't they so good? Okay. I My sleep schedule, like everyone knows it's messed up because I am doing day shift. I'm doing night shift. I don't know when to sleep. My body doesn't know what's going on. And I actually have a worse time, not from night shift, but from doing day shift. And having when I start at 6 a.m., I cannot fall asleep. Yeah, I know. And I've historically struggled with falling asleep anyways, which is why I was – always did fairly well on night shift but the only way is before I started that Tori gave me these beams so you drink the liquid powder yes the beam dream powder beam dream yep I take the beam dream capsules because Mm -hmm. I'm just not a very drinky type of person totally and I like the convenience of just swallowing I like that they have both options yes and I think that's great because I do believe that the powder that you drink works, works a little fast. faster. Totally. I'm cool with that. I love that there's a capsule option. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that has been a game changer. So we're really excited about this, you guys. So we're talking Beam. They create the highest quality functional supplements for better balance, energy, recovery, and sleep. They have been featured in Forbes, Maxim, Real Simple, and supported by athletes, CrossFitters, golfers, Olympic athletes, and the like. So I introduced this to Sam a couple months ago. And my favorite thing is their Beam Dream Powder. It is amazing. So it's basically this powder. It's a bedtime blend of sleep-enhancing vitamins, minerals, nano-CBD, and you mix it in either warm milk, like even coconut milk or water. And it tastes like this most amazing warm hot chocolate that you drink about 30 minutes before you go to sleep. I swear by 20 minutes in, I am ready to hit the pillow. I am ready to go to sleep. It is so fabulous. It tastes wonderful. We are so excited to be partnering with them. And guess what? Of course, we have a code for you guys. If you head over to beamtlc.com and use code SELFIE, C-E-L-L-F-I-E 15, you're going to get 15% off of your order. That's beamtlc.com. Use code SELFIE, C-E-L-L-F-I-E 15. You're going to get 15% off your order. As someone who does shift work, you got to get your sleep in check. And on top of that, if you're trying to get into shift work or trying to change up your job, your resume better be on point. We've talked about it before, but we can't say it enough. Having your resume aesthetic be on point is pivotal into landing that interview. Absolutely. You need to stand out in your job search. So many nursing professionals know this. We understand it, but it's so hard to find those resources that are actually helpful. So if you guys head over to click the link in our bio, we have an awesome deal for you. 20% off of these online courses, templates, and resources for nurses and nurse practitioners. Fill in the blank solutions for your resume and cover letter, you guys. It's so easy to stand out and land that dream job. Make sure you guys check out the link 
link in the bio. That is the most amazing resource for you. 20% off you guys. Go get it now. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It was like this whole other world, to be honest. Was he intubated or on he CPAP? Was he was intubated. He was intubated. Um, Ian had a really rough time with the, I think he was intubated and self-extubated multiple times. It's the boys. So he, boys I know. Right? What is it? Seriously, Ian. Girls are scrappy. Yeah. Uh, it was the best time, really. The best time. I don't think people understand what a operation it is to, to hold. actually hold your premature baby because he was especially intubated. What was his weight? Birth weight? One pound four ounces. One pound four ounces, and then to have a breathing tube in, so to be on the ventilator, it takes like Wires, multiple people tubes. and all to actually get them out of the bed onto mom's chest, sitting down, making sure it is like safely an operation of mm-hmm. whole village of people just mm-hmm. to hold your baby and then to even put them back is like a whole production it takes us like 20 minutes 30 yeah. minutes sometimes just to get them to and everyone's point. all up in your grill yeah like, up in those boobies like yep. no modesty like mm-hmm. we are all up in your your business mm-hmm. yep yeah i, I didn't care my <laughs> legit that's i didn't the way. care that's I remember way. one of the nurses like, do you want the thing to close? I was like, you know what? Everyone's already seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we had shirts, but whatever. What was your experience like seeing Ollie for the first time? So they took me to my room and I literally, well, once I went through labor, I told my sister, I'm like, you go. Like I was on it. You go with the baby. She went with her. And when I got back to my room, she had already come back. They said, you need to pee two times. Two times before we can let you go. Man, did I pee quick. Like, it was quick. I am like, I need to go see my baby. Like, I need to go see her. Um, I called the nurse. I'm like, hey, I already peed twice. I'm, I'm ready to go pee again if you need me to. Like, I will um, pee in front of you. Yeah. Just let me I'm go. Like, if you need me to, I'm like, I'll leave the, the yellow stuff. Like, I'll do whatever. But I already peed. And then she's like, okay, we're going to come pick you up. I can walk. <laughs> This is the most After, Carol thing ever. I know. I know. I'm like, Seriously. you know, so they bring like, in um, a helper, like one of the volunteers to push me. I get to the to the small baby unit and the doors open. So there's Laura and she tells me to go wash my hands and I'm like ready to walk to the end of the hallway. Girl, sit down. And <laughs> sit. Laura, Laura looks at me and she's, like, and she's like, did you not just have a baby? And I said, yeah, she's like, sit down. But I was just ready to see her. Like, I was just ready to look at her. And when I get there, I see this hairy, hairy little baby. (laughs) Oh, my. I was just like. And I looked at my sister. I'm like, oh, my God, she's hairy. Like, I didn't. (laughs) I didn't like. It's me joking all the time. Like, I joke, you know, and I I didn't. I saw her. My sister left her a cute little note because she was in the private room at that time. Um, left her a cute note and then I looked at her toes and I have like this fat toe that has this weird little you know <laughs> she had the same little fat it's like a tiny little fat toe and I was like oh my god Vanessa she has my toes <laughs> and my sister's cracking up we're both just laughing and at that point in time I'm like holy shit I'm a mom and she was hairy like I literally I'm like Vanessa she looks like a little monkey like she's hairy and it was just, it was love at first sight I still, I knew that I was a mom, but I couldn't hold her. 
you know, I couldn't hold her. I was able to hold her the next day. My heart just, and at that point I did cry, but it was happy tears. It wasn't like any kind of like resentment or anything like that. It was just like, I was so happy to hold my baby, you know? And then I think it was just right then and there. I knew that mom, I was like, I'm gonna fight you if you do anything to my kid, you know, but it was amazing. I didn't hold her after that for a while, but, um, cause how big was she? I don't remember. She was, she was 11 inches, a pound and eight ounces, um, and 11 inches. Yeah, a pound and eight ounces. Yeah. Was she intubated at that time when you were home? She was intubated right before she had to get her PDA. Yeah. Because you were there when she got intubated, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So then I couldn't hold. I held her that one time. And then she got intubated. She tried to mm-hmm. exhibit her. Like, she was a strong, it? independent yeah. baby. She was. That don't need no tube. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I I knew right then and there that mom, like I I was there. I didn't have a car at the time. Um, so my sister would leave to work super early. She dropped me off at five o'clock in the morning. I'd get there five, five thirty, six o'clock and I'd stay till about four in the afternoon. Um, until I finally got a car, but I didn't have that at that time. So it was, you know, I'd get there every single day I was there. What was the scariest moment being in the NICU in that 127 and 130 days? Mine, I mean, I'm going to tell you, I think the scariest was when she got the surgery, the PDA legation, even though... I was explained and told like, oh, it's something we do all the time. These doctors do it all the time. And she was my baby. She was a few days old and not even two pounds. And she was going to get surgery like heart surgery at that. Yeah. What? Like they told me everything. They explained it all. Like it was very well explained. That was crazy. And then when they told me that she had a, I, I don't know if it was one or two. I think it was two on one side of a brain bleed. And then when they told me she had a a mass in the back of her brain but then the doctors told me that a lot of NICU babies do have that and the eye doctor that eye doctor ROP exams yes every two weeks right every two weeks they had to do that to her so the like just the discomfort that I could feel my kid was going through Mm -hmm. ROP exams are literally the worst yeah it's just it's so hard to watch even and and to hold the baby's it's just I hate them what was your scariest I have several that come back in flashbacks. It's great. Um, The time that he extubated himself and everybody ran in. And I remember I curled up in a ball and freaked out. And I just remember a group of people coming in. Mm. And I knew something was going on, right? And then I remember a nurse trying to comfort me and saying, like, oh, if, you know, you would be able to tell if something was an emergency. And I was all like, that was an emergency yeah you're like i can tell yeah but i didn't you know i understand a lot of people is never a good sign yeah exactly right. or running or yeah yeah a sense yeah. of urgency and mm-hmm. a lot of people is never something you want to see mm-hmm. yes so but i understood why she said that because she's trying to calm me down at the moment i remember when he was on me and he coded and so again a lot of other people came in and i remember um rt Bryce I loved him because he yelled that's a throwback Mm -hmm. yeah love you Bryce um I remember he yelled at Ian (laughs) and he said don't do that to your mother and I went and I'm just crying sometimes they do need a stern talking to (laughs) Mm -hmm. like hey don't do that again I because I was bawling because I knew he knew that like that was rough 
And so, and I just laughed because again, Bryce knew me, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, that's what I loved about the small baby unit was the close knit, mm-hmm. the consistent care. And you really do get to know people and you, and so, um, and so I laughed and I said, thanks. <laughs> like I, need, I needed that. The scariest moment was he had to have eye surgery before he left for NICU. And we were told that he didn't need to be intubated. He had already been successfully extubated, successfully off oxygen. And we were, you know, it was the first time going down in, like usually the surgeries were done in NICU. Mm-hmm. This was the first time that they we're going to the operating area. Right? So they need to do an actual, the, the ROP, what's that called? The laser surgery. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when we got there, we were told he's going to be intubated. And I went, what? I remember this like it was yesterday. And we fought them. We fought them and said, no, we had just worked against this. We've, I know they've done it in the NICU. And I lost, <laughs> to be honest. I lost, but I had people, my my nurse backed me up later on and the doctor called and was just like, you know what, I'm gonna pull this out and we're gonna do it back in the NICU unless you know, you're not gonna intubate that baby. And I cried the whole way upstairs. Like I remember just being like, what's going on? You know, like, cause I just felt out of control. And that was like the hardest part. Mm-hmm. That's the hardest, like just feeling out of control when you know that you want it to be like this. And it's not going like this. Well, a big piece of that too, which I think is interesting, is you advocating so strongly and also having a team who knows your baby and who's there with you. It is so, I mean, I can say hands down, like having those relationships, that's that's such a key part in the NICU. I could say by, um, I would be able to leave at night and say, the nurses that are here tonight yeah. are going to take care of my baby. And I know if something happens to her and I don't answer the phone that she's going to be taken care of. That's how good I felt leaving, you know, or when they would tell us, you guys need to take a break. Go there. Go leave. We're taking care of your kids. Just go, you know, and we wouldn't want to leave, but we would go just because we knew that we needed those breaks. And we got each other's back yeah. when the nurse didn't know. Ale she or would New she'd speak up too. Yeah, I'd be we'd like, that's not up. her baseline. You need no. to go check on that. No, legit, all of that. Even our other mm-hmm. people in our pod, yeah. we did that. We yeah, you guys act- were roommates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For Erica, <laughs> like I know for Erica and Darcy yeah. too. Like yeah. we'd be like, hey, the girls. Don't. Yeah, they don't do that. They don't do yeah. that. And we you just look knew. at them. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like something. I know you can't tell me what's going on, but go check. I know. I- Julie, do you remember before Ian was supposed to go home? Oh yeah, and he had that like desaturation mm-hmm. and he turned kind of purple yep and you looked at me and carly and you were like okay because we would always run mm-hmm. over and do it and we're like no you're going home yep like you bring him out of this and yeah we're like we're not y'all yeah, will save him but we're like look <laughs> at you and we're like do it like My, you, she didn't say that we, i didn't yeah. say that but we're like okay if this happens at home this yeah, is you like I do it that and you did it yeah and then as soon as he was recovered you just burst into tears and I we're did? like oh my god i don't yes. remember that you were but and I you're would. like I you would. could do this we're like yeah. see you did it and you were like yeah. ah yeah oh my god that was the oh, i remember that so much 
Yes. And then afterwards, you were like, I can do this. We're like, see, you're ready. I know. You're never really going to be ready to go home, but you were ready to go home. It's true. It's interesting because that wasn't the first time that I, you know, saved him. You Uh know, like you've let me practice multiple, multiple times. And yet just the fact that you were hands off at the end and just had me do it. I was just like, you know, and yeah, now I'm all like. You ain't purple. I'm so bad now. You ain't dying. We're not going to the ER. I'm like that now. Oh, yeah. You're an honorary no. nurse. Yes. Nurses don't bring their kids to the ER unless no. they're like actively bleeding, dying. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. She hits herself and scratches her little knee or her or anything. I'm like, you're fine. You're bleeding a little bit. You've bled more than that. You got bled, <laughs> blood transfusions. Whatever. You got blood transfusions. <laughs> Whatever, girl. Just keep moving. I love it. I'm curious, too, because there's okay. So because you guys obviously roommates, you know, besties over here, these two, but you guys had some pretty different experiences. Can we talk a little bit? Because this is a huge thing for a lot of moms in the mom world. Breastfeeding, bottle feeding, um, lactation. Let's talk a little bit about that, because this is huge, obviously, in the NICU. And I feel like it's just something that is so you know, we don't talk, we talk about it, but I think in these terms, I'm curious to hear both of your experiences. For me, it was, I just, I did everything. Like I tried fenugreek. I tried the cookies. I tried putting warm compresses on my boobs, like everything and nothing would come out. Like it was just at one point, I, I think I got two ounces one day and fell on the floor and I cried that day. I cried because I'm like, what? That and nobody cries over spilled milk yeah we do <laughs> yeah we do <laughs> yeah we do we do as you should that's you know, a like, lot for and, that milk and i tried for like i think i tried for a whole month and that at the end of that month when i couldn't anymore it was just like ugh, you know and i'm gonna say something kathy may she rest in peace my mm. i love her if it wouldn't have been for her showing me how to because I had carpal tunnel. I remember it, it was different when you breastfed the baby, you know, and I would see or I would see her, I'd see Darcy, I'd see Erica. And these girls would literally pump gallons, gallons of milk, all of them. And I would just like and Erica, I remember Erica telling me, Hey, you want me to like I can give you some milk and I think we told <laughs> we told one of the nurses, they're like, You can't do that. I'm like, I'm just gonna buy it in the black market and just say it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> But I pumped all this at I home. I pumped all this. Look, it's mine. <laughs> oh, my God. But, Genius. I, right? I can say that that was one of the toughest moments, too, having to feed her with that bottle and her not latching onto the bottle or not taking it. And then in my heart, I always knew that I wanted to breastfeed my child. Mm-hmm. And I know that other people go through it, too, and stuff like that. But that really took a toll on me mentally and physically, too, because I would cry about it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't tell anybody about it. I think I told Julie. Julie and I, like, and even Erica, because, you know, she tried to sell me milk. <laughs> um, <laughs> sell you? <laughs> She's going to laugh. Um, but, you know, that point, it, it was just, it was hard. It was hard. And I I never wished that upon anybody. But I always, always wanted to breastfeed my child. And the fact that I couldn't really took a toll on me i don't know whose breast milk she was taking but she she had breast milk until the day she left well i mean the last few days yeah the donor breast milk but you know thank god for the breast milk gods all that that give you that extra stuff (laughs) the ones that pump like crazy (laughs) because i always tell my girlfriends you better donate that Mm -hmm. there's some Mm -hmm. baby out there that needs that thank god for those people that donate Yeah. yeah absolutely what i love about us is we have very different journeys and 
completely love you and support you and I know how hard you worked on that um and we honor each other's ish, like struggle mm-hmm. and that's okay like and I love that for us I wouldn't say that of all NICU moms um some become competitive some become entitled um some are not about being a team player and I really love that that we did this together holy shit oh my yeah. gosh like legit I don't think I would have been able to do it without her and Erica and Darcy and Darcy's mom like I told you guys I'm a single mom I'm still a single mom and I a lot of my family like I know my sister told me once and I'm sorry Vanessa but she did tell me she's like just the beeps she's like I would get freaked out with all the beeps yeah you know and I can't blame her like I know we got in an argument once because of it because I'm like you know like you don't even come but I understood it after the fact I didn't understand it then because I was in that but if it wouldn't have been for them if it wouldn't have been for Julie and Ryan oh my god Ryan I love you Ryan I love you so freaking much (laughs) like Ryan was our Ryan was like pretty much my husband too because he was amazing. I feel like you need to go into the NICU with your heart open because everybody's different. I remember being there and I met this mom and I had already been there for three months and she had just had her baby and I talked to her and I'm like, hey, if you need anything, if you need anything, like, you know, just be positive, be positive, be positive. And her little boy died. And uh, like, I felt like the worst person ever because it's like, I'm trying to be strong for somebody else. I don't even know. And I'm like telling her how good my child is. And then her little boy dies. And I was like, wow, Carol, like you really did that. Like, even though like after he died, like she didn't really come see me anymore or anything like that. And I felt so bad, but I couldn't go into her pod, you know, like we weren't supposed to. I mean, I would go into hers because, you know, (laughs) but uh, I felt horrible. And I just remember like telling her like, no, don't don't stress out so much. Just stay positive. Pray, pray, because, you know, the more you pray, the stronger you're going to get. And you need that As, as a mom. You need that. And I just remember when when I saw the the purple thing and I'm just like, oh, my God, I cried in my in my pot. I cried that day knowing that he didn't make it yeah. like that I was terrible. That. That's you know? something I've never even thought about yeah. from a nurse perspective is yeah. how traumatizing it how traumatizing it parents. is to see other parents go through yeah. what like the those worst. situations. Yeah. I It was tough. Anytime like, wow. you see that see purple her. sign. That we have a purple yeah, bereavement sign. <laughs> it was hard to have to deal with that. And I felt bad because I'm like, oh my God, my, my daughter's doing amazing. And I was like pretty much the pep squad, like trying oh to pep everybody up and make sure that everybody's like, you know, happy and stuff. And every new mom that would come there, I talked to her. True. Every new mom yeah. I knew I would talk to. I'm really curious about this because so every hospital or NICU is so different. You guys had such a... F- an amazing cohort I think of of NICU and NICU parents what was something that I would say if it was that the hospital was able to support you in as NICU parents together like were there things that we were able to do or maybe things that hospitals can do to help support parents because obviously this is huge it's a huge part like we should be supporting parents together and you know it's funny because we we get so caught up in like HIPAA 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 violation blah 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 but it's like if these parents want to and need to network what are some good things that you guys feel like help the reason I started talking to 
Julie was because of Ryan. And it was the... The support group. The support group. There was a support group there um, for NICU, uh, for the NICU and the small baby unit. So... Did you even know that, Tori? Nope. Me either. The thing... Yeah. <laughs> well, no, the funny thing is... I that mean, I'm busy trying to keep her babies alive. Right, right, right. right. I didn't like, know that just, that existed. Right, right, right. So I, I don't know where Julie was, but I, was I know sick. that... Oh. I couldn't so, come. So, yeah. So Ryan was there. And, you Ryan know... Ryan went by himself. Yes. Oh, I love that for him. And he would. And yeah. he would. And he told me about He Carol. told me about... Yeah, about me. And I was still in the private room with Ale. So I remember being in this support group... And I had just lost my dad two months before. Like, I'm a total daddy's a girl. And I lost my dad. And I try to stay strong through all that. I try to stay strong through, like, everything. Just because, be careful, don't cry. You're pregnant, you're pregnant, you're pregnant. If you cry, if you duh, duh, duh. Like, right. this is all. When somebody dies, let them grieve the way they need to grieve. Mm-hmm. When somebody dies, do not tell somebody how to react, how to be, how to anything. You just need to let that person be. Pregnant or not let them cry because if not it's gonna linger and it still lingers i cry all the time i listen to a song and i cry for my dad all the time and it's been seven years that support group we're all sitting there and they're talking about it and i start talking about how i lost my dad and not only how i lost my dad but on top of that like how after i lost my dad where i was living i got kicked out of and i had to move into my sister's house sleeping on a couch while i was you know like things just a lot of different things that happened to me in that in that spot like I was in the worst part of my life at that point in time and I mean I didn't have a car I didn't have a job I had no money but that support group helped me I only went to it twice but I met Ryan there and he heard my story and he was just like and everybody's just looking at me they're like why are you smiling still because I was smiling the whole time I smiled and I just told him I'm like I can't be sad I'm like, my daughter's fighting for her life and I'm going to cry over the stuff that I'm doing? I can't. She's fighting for her life. But yet I'm going to be giving myself a pity party and I'm not. And it's crazy because I am a crybaby. That day, I don't know, Ryan went and talked to her. And he then was so the mad next day, so mad. I get this really cute card. Oh, did I give you a card? Oh, God, I you so remember this. Yeah, I still have it. She gave a do. little card and said, um, Ryan told me about you and did it and like just everything and put their phone numbers on there for me. And ever since then, we've been together. So I feel like more support groups, definitely more support groups. But I literally, I think every single nurse and every single person probably knew the loud person because I was loud. That's why we bonded. You and Sam, we knew. That's why I made, made a good NICU mom for Ale because when you weren't there, I like was like, oh. I got this. Yeah. And it was like tip for me to be quiet because we were supposed to be quiet, you know, yeah. and, you know, be quiet. You guys yeah. almost got me in trouble so many times. I know. Can uh, I just yeah, you're Sam. welcome, Sam. You're welcome. You're welcome. These two would just crack you up. They would like, and then, joke and I'm like, okay, yeah. it's so funny. And, and I want to participate, but I have to be like professional and I'm already so bad at being professional. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, you guys are killing me. Like. Oh, no gonna get me fired it's fine i was like all right that's why she loves us yes yep i was like oh the things I, i'm like i want to join in so bad <sighs> you guys are killing me yeah remember the nurse that didn't know us and was like did you guys know each other before the nicu and we're like no <laughs> this is just how we are and so given like about communities in the nicu i think it's really hard to be honest because it is about the safety within the people that are 
that are able to handle that. You know, um, what I loved about us is we cry and we laugh together. It was both. Like, there was safety in that. So you, you need to be emotionally intelligent to do that. You need to be able to um, to be not selfish, right? And and honor whatever struggle that each we each had our struggle. So for her, she couldn't. And mind you, I used her story for somebody that I knew that couldn't do breast milk either in the NICU and to let them know you're not alone you know like there's other people out there that also struggle with it for me I was just like Carol too I wanted to breastfeed and I didn't you know I pumped and I pumped for a year and a half and I wear that so proudly a year and a half so then when people say oh yeah I breastfed and I go I pumped for you're not, okay, that's ten. That times is a full time job in itself. Ten times harder, oh, absolutely. Because you got to carry everything around. You got it's just a nightmare. Like pumping is you have crazy. To clean every yeah. five hours. I only slept for yeah. five hours. You know that most. You get what I say? Okay, but you know what? And I know you honor mine, and I honor yours. Do you get what I say? And not everybody can do that. And so that's why I'm like, it is about chemistry. It is about being able to be there for each other. It is about. Um, and mind you, you're doing this in the worst possible time in your life, you know, but all the more, that's why you need it. Mm-hmm. And so what encouraged me, my husband encouraged me when he told me his Carol's story. I actually have a question like totally that we didn't even prepare you for, but you guys were in an environment where there was a couple private rooms, but eventually you graduate. There was only four of them. You graduate out of the private rooms into this pod like where there's four babies in one pod and you have privacy curtains, but you're all up in each other's business. You know everything. You hear everything. You see everything. You know each other's babies. Like, that's not normal. Like, you know. Do you think you would have bonded or gotten as close if you were in an all-private room unit? No. Because now that is becoming... That's becoming the standard. The standard across the country is... Private rooms. Everyone's remodeling their units to be all-private rooms. And us as nurses, we really resisted it. But I'm all about like, well, if it's better for the families, it's not about me. It's about yeah. the families. But I, it's just interesting to get a parent perspective on that. It has its plus and minuses. Yes. yes. Privacy is good. Because yes. when, when I was in the private room, I did meet Gianna's mom, Erica. Mm-hmm. And I I would be, I'm so nosy. God almighty, am I nosy. I remember looking in and like, I saw Erica and I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, you know, your daughter. I'm like, if you ever need anything or you need me to watch over, just let me know. And she's like, thank you so much. I remember one day a priest, they're Catholic. And I remember a priest going in there and all the lights were shut off. And I started bawling because to me, did I ever tell you that story? I know Erica knows it. Because you didn't know why. Well, I thought that something happened to Gigi. And I start bawling in my room. I call my sister. Oh, my sister, there's a priest. And I'm like crying. And I'm like, I can't ask because nobody's going to tell me anything. So then I'm like sitting there and I stayed longer and I waited till Erica got there. And I'm like, Erica, is Gianna okay? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, why the hell was the priest there? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I've been crying for all day. She's like, I'm so sorry, but we're Catholic and he came to bless her. And and I'm like, oh, okay. okay." (laughs) All the drama. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel you, you, you might be able to still, but like, I feel if they're doing the private room so that the moms can stay there or the parents can stay there, I think that's great. But 
not being in a pod, like I think I would it. It's yeah, we wouldn't different have. dynamic. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I'm all about privacy too. I ain't yeah. gonna lie, but I'm really thankful. And again, it really depends on who you're with yeah. because hello, we had there, that. We had yeah. The other one that we were like, <laughs> come on now, get out. Or I'm glad I didn't sit in that other pod like all the way at the end, like the one like leaving when you're yeah. leaving because the, this one man. he like when you're in that kind of environment like a baby really doesn't need to smell cologne like you drenched in cologne oh god it was so bad i'd walk in and it was just like i'm like really sir like and then i i literally asked like a few of the nurses can i please go tell him something because this is horrible it was like it was like a musk with a ck1 and a tommy hill figure all together oh god and it, like, I still remember, like, I can, my nose is hurting right now, right now, <laughs> seven years later from smelling that. You would think that people have emotional awareness to know this in a NICU, you no. know? No, they didn't. Yeah, babies no. don't need cologne or we don't need We don't need overly awful scents. Can you imagine that baby smell? Poor baby. Poor baby. I'm sorry. Like yeah, we can't expose them to that. <laughs> We hope you guys are loving this episode. So we have decided to split this into two separate parts because there's so many amazing conversations and tips and tricks and things that we talk about in this episode. So we're going to save part two for Friday. We didn't want to make you guys wait a whole nother week to hear this. We really wanted to put part two out this week so we could continue on the conversations because they're being so vulnerable and raw with us and we are just... There's so much of their story that we didn't want to have to cut out of this episode. So tune in for Friday for part two. Yeah. And shout out, just so you guys know, we are so excited about this. Next week, Tuesday. Yes. We are officially launching summer merch. It is coming. We have worked so hard on this. And by we, I mean Tori. Because she... (laughs) came up with a lot I mean I helped come up with some of the phrases yeah 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 but she's been working like really hard with the graphic design person then she just sends it to me as like yes no and I'm like yes no yes no and that's how we've done it but it is ah it's gonna be so much fun it's so cute you guys it's yeah. fresh and fun fresh and, and selfie approved we can't wait and make sure you guys are following us on our insta that's at c-e-l-l-f-i-e underscore podcast you can find all of our things linked there in the bio for you download subscribe rate and review you know the drill thank you so much for leaving reviews recently we've been getting oh my god so many and it warms my heart and it's just really helping us get to the place that we want to get and bring you the things and resources that we want to bring you so we appreciate it more than you know thank you so much there were so many amazing ones that came through this week and make sure you guys also click those five stars those are the things that definitely help us out we love you guys and make sure you're following us on our insta That's at Hey Samantha with two A's. And at Nurse Tori. And we will see you guys on Friday. Part two. Woo woo. Bye. Bye. Bye.